So good to be with you guys. Can you open your Bibles, please, to Psalm 133? Psalm 133 is where we're going to be, and this message is entitled, Becoming the Brethren. And I subtitled it, One Prayer You Can Answer. Um, So as you're turning to Psalm 133, I'll just begin to read. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, although the King James is really my preference, but in terms of the syntax and the structure and the way the ESV put this together, it's a little more readable. So let me begin. God bless the reading of your word. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down the beard on the beard of Aaron running down onto the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forever. Wow. So when Bob said when you get home and they ask how it was, you say we went through the entire book of Ruth. Let me tell you what you say when you get home. When your wife says how was it, you say, it was like the oil down the head of Aaron, running down his beard, upon the scut of his garments. And your wife will say, are you okay? You say, yeah, why? She says, well, I'm just asking you how the retreat was. It is like the dew of Ammon, falling upon the mountains of Zion. For there, there the Lord commanded the blessing forevermore. Thank you. Told you I had some machismo left in me. So you listen to this verse and, and how good and pleasant the brethren to dwell together in unity. Like all of us hear it, but then those second two verses, you're like, wait a minute. Oksana, Bayul, Christina, Yamaguchi, what does that mean to me? It's like, let's take a look. It's written in metaphor, so it isn't exactly clear. It starts out with the word behold. Everyone say behold. Behold is a word that shows up quite often in scripture and it has very specific meaning. It means look at this comprehend this, mentally conceive, consider, contemplate, meditate on this. You've really got to see what's being said here. So when you see behold, the writer, the declarer, the proclaimer is saying, hey man, what I'm about to say is really important to God. That's why it's in the word. 1 John 3, behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we would be called the sons of God. Or it may mean what I'm about to say does not happen that often. So take Acts chapter 7 when Stephen said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Right? Here, Psalm 133 is what's called a psalm of ascent. In some of your translations, you may see that at the top of the psalm. In other words, there's a certain grouping of psalms that the children of Israel would sing as they would head towards Jerusalem for a feast day several times a year. These were the songs they would sing as they would take that journey. Behold how good and pleasant it is. Now, it doesn't mean how good, like how does it work. That isn't the how here. The how here is more as in how great is this? How? How do you like them apples, right? Like that's the how here. It's a word that's quantitative. It's a, it's a word that's qualitative. Sometimes it's the littlest words in scripture that, that inspire me the most. I get obsessed with them. Like the word for. 
right? Like for actually means because or with a view to or in light of for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? So in other words, John 3.16 starts with the word for, not God. It starts with for because there are 15 verses before that that set up 16. So now how, how now brown cow, you guys still with me? How and so are very small words that are very similar, like, like Psalm, Psalm 8. How majestic is your name in all the earth? Okay, so majestic is your name in all the earth. See how these words are together? They're quantitative words. They're qualitative words. And I'm saying the structure and the syntax of the sentence, how good is this? How pleasant is this? It's almost as if you are being invited by the psalmist to come and see. You're invited by the psalmist to to come with me and answer the question, behold, how good is it? Good, it's interesting, Bob and I, when our first trip to Israel, we learned the word good means tov. Remember that? Everybody was like, tov, tov. Tov means good in, in, in Hebrew. That's the word they use. Tov means that it is of an approved moral standard. It's an ethical word. It means it It is good. Most of us know it in Genesis. When God created at the end of each day, he said it was good. Until he created man, he said it is not tov, that he should be alone, right? The word pleasant, of course, is related to the word pleasing in English. So it's really interesting because that has to do with an emotion. So watch me now. I'll put these two things together. You have good, which is an ethic of principle. Then you have pleasant, which is an emotion of pleasure. And integrate them together. Psalm 16, what's it say? It says, um, at, uh, in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there is pleasure evermore. It's an emotional state. Remember it was said of Moses that he would rather um, suffer with his people than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season? So, so look for a minute, and behold, there are some, think about this with me just for a minute. There are some really good and ethical and right things that are not really pleasing to do. Say amen. I mean, right, there's some things that we know as men that we have to do that are good and ethical and right. We don't want to do them. They're just not pleasing. On the other hand, there are some things that are very pleasant and pleasurable, but they're just not right. Gene, they're just not right. Just try to find those innocent guy in the assembly to try to throw that in. He's saying, imagine this. Imagine now, imagine if there was something that was actually really good, and then there was something that was really pleasant, and imagine that God, in his words, is inviting you to come and see something as such. What is it? It's when the brethren dwell together in unity. This weekend is about connectedness. And in light of that, I wanted to do Psalm 133. Brethren is another really cool word. Your Bible might translate it as brothers. But brothers is, is a little bit broad, because, or, or narrow rather, because brothers are, is literal. But this word can also be figurative. Brethren literally means, listen, it means of the same womb. Is that not cool? Like, like of the same womb. Whatever the genesis, whatever the source is, there's a commonality there. There, there, There's a one-womanness between us all. 
a oneness between us, a harmony and a symphony, a solidarity and a singularity, a, a camaraderie and a compatibility of our souls. Like, like Philippians chapter, that dew came down upon Zion, came down upon Jerusalem. David must be looking out his window. He's in the midst of the people, the psalm of ascent. The people are headed up, and he sees them all worshiping God and praising God and thanking God. And, and he looks and he says, how beautiful and how pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. It's like, it's like, it's like the warm Hawaiian breezes blowing across the tundras frozen in Alaska. Does that make sense to you? It's like the warm Hawaiian breezes blowing over the tundras that are frozen in Alaska. Like, it's a ridiculous thought, but he's saying that's how great it is. Everyone's connected, praising God, worshiping, thanking God for the fact that what? They were in the prison of Egypt, but now they're in the promise of Canaan. And they were united when that oil fell down Aaron's beard. They had the law that was given to them on that video animation we just saw. And they were a unique people, and they had a unique God, and everything was just right in that moment. It was beautiful, and it was pleasant. And David's recounting that, and he's saying, how good and pleasant is that? So this is all part of pointing to a particular question that we should be wondering this week. How does this correlate, not only to Calvary, how does this correlate not only to Coastal, not only Calvary and Coastal, but how does this correlate Calvary, Coastal, and every other Christian being called to this Christ-centered connectedness? You're called to this, how does this correlate to you as a Christian being called to Christ-centered communion? And when I say communion, I'm not talking about crackers and cups. I'm talking about what happens when in every other moment of every other hour, the day, the week, and the month of the year of your life, when you can be encouraging and inspiring and convicting and sometimes even confronting, sometimes forgiving your brethren in Christ so we stay connected. What does that look like for us to dwell together in this kind of connectedness that pleases Christ? Well, the answer is in this question, what is it that unites us? Better yet, who is it that unites us? Say it loud now. Louder. 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 It's right there. I'm going to ask you about eight questions, and I'm just going to give you a hint that that's the right answer. You ready? Say yes. Who unites us in this place? Who unites us at this time? Whose precious blood ran down from his head? Whose precious blood ran down from his beard? Louder, whose precious blood spilled down to the ground for us? Who condescended and came down from the highest heavens even higher than the heights of Hermon? Louder, who gives us water that's so refreshing we'll never thirst again? And then lastly, who refreshes us, restores us, renews us, revives us, and redeems us? His name is? That's right. There is a prophetic picture in the unity that Christ brings in this small three-verse psalm. So I'm saying, how does this change the way we love the brethren? How does this change the way that we live and forgive the brethren? How does this change the way that we greet and treat the brethren? How does this change the way that we believe in, belong to, and become like the brethren? Okay, so we all got something really special here, and it's more than Calvary and Coastal. We belong to Christ, 
and Christ belongs to us. We're here because of the commonality of wanting to unite with Christ and connect with Christ and commune with Christ. The scriptures say that the unity with Christ, the genuine, authentic, sincere unity with the Savior should equate to loving one another, connecting with one another. So I finish this message by saying this, one more thing, which is my subtitle for this message, which is, this is the one prayer that you can answer for Jesus. Wait, what? Yeah, do you know there is one prayer that you can answer for Jesus? Here's the prayer. Listen closely as I read to you John 17. For I, that's Jesus, am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will ever believe in me throughout their message. That's you. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you and I are you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. Let that blow you away. So that they may be one even as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they also experience such perfect unity. That they see that the, that the world will know. That the world will know. That the world will know that you sent me. And that you love them as much as you We're always asking Jesus to answer our prayers. Jesus, answer my prayers. Jesus, answer me. What about you answering him? Here's the one prayer that you can answer for Jesus. Jesus prayed that we would love each other and that love would create a connectedness that declares his greatness. Our love would create a connectedness that declares his greatness. Are you with me? Say yes. You and I can pray that prayer. And you and I can answer that prayer. My whole life I've been asking Jesus to answer my prayer. Here's the prayer I can answer for him. And what is that? That is me loving you and you loving me. I can answer that prayer. I can answer that prayer for Jesus. It staggers me to even say it, but I can answer that prayer for Jesus. I want to answer his prayer. His call to connectedness. You know why? Here's why. Because it's good and pleasant to the God who saved me. You know who else it's good and pleasant to? Us. You know who else it's good and pleasant to? The world. That the world may know. 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 The larger part of the lost world, they would love to see it even if they don't know it, they would love to see certified, bonafide, qualified, bet your bottom dollar, believing brethren that the world may know, that the world may know your unity is more powerful than you could ever imagine. How do you know that? Because that's what Jesus said. It's one of the greatest testimonies that we can give to the lost world is our unity in Christ doesn't say that they will know you're my disciples by the profound presentations you give from platforms and podiums. They will know you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. The way that you manifest the word brethren. How should 133 change the way that we endure each other? Relate to each other. Show patience with each other. Resolve conflicts between one another. We ought to be doing that in a way that is totally different than the ways of the world. 
The world writes people off. Flips people off. So I'll sum it all up by saying this. How are you going to become a comrade in Christ? As much as it lies within you, how are you going to be becoming the brethren? Can people smell the unity that you bring? What's hindering you from connectedness because Christ is calling you to it? Christ prays to the Father for it. Our unity pleases the heart of God. Unity gives life and it gives joy to every person that's connected. It's your connectedness that declares his greatness. And this is the one prayer that you can answer. It's the one prayer that you can answer. And picture this painted in Revelation, every tongue, tribe, and nation standing in Christ-centered connection. So I challenge you to say no to the temptation, say no to the division, say no to the separation, say no to the isolation, say no to the disconnection, and take the step to becoming the brethren. And with that, I'm in.